Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit. It's a lectionary based resource designed to ask the provocative question of whether and if so how politics should appear in our preaching this week. My name is Lee Battle and I'm a minister in the United Reformed Church where I currently serve in Cardiff in an ecumenical setting. Each week I am joined by a guest from a different place and space on the pulpit and political landscape and today I'm really pleased to introduce to you Trey Hall. Trey is Director of Evangelism and Growth for the Methodist Church. He is a Methodist pioneer, church planting strategist and evangelist. Since 2000, he has established and led churches in the United Kingdom and in the United States. He has served as mission advisor for the Birmingham District of the Methodist Church in Britain and coached scores of practitioners, renewing inherited forms of church or launching fresh expressions of church. And so, Trey, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Lee, it's lovely to be with you all. So, politics and in the pulpit, I wonder, what does that mean for you? And do you see yourself as a pulpit politician? <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I, I think politics can mean so many things, right? Party politics, yeah. uh, statecraft, government sort of politics um, and how we um, kind of uh, believe that our nation states and the world should be held together. But also, also obviously politics is about the body, any body. So the organization, organization of the body. And that, um, that for Christians means how we organize ourselves, I believe as church, as people on the edge of church, in order to live into the kingdom of God, welcome the kingdom of God, co-participate in the kingdom of God. So yes, there's party politics and national politics and world politics, and there's also the politics of the, of the church. And I mean that in a positive way, a potentially positive way. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I, as a, as, uh, I work for the connectional team of the Methodist church now, which is, um, so I don't find myself talking loads about politics in kind of traditional ways because of my responsibility is kind of at a different level or altitude, but I am a, a pastor and a church planter at heart. And so I have a deep, um, a, a deep conviction that preachers in local churches week in, week out, who, who venture into politics in any of those uh, ways I just described them should do so, this is my opinion, as people who are on the journey themselves, yeah. thinking about how politics is part of our discipleship, thinking about how politics and justice are part of evangelism, so that these things aren't separated out into like, this is the sort of social justice kind of side of you know, the church, and this is the sort of more personal side, but they're held together. Yeah. And I, I just value preachers and try to be one myself who see them see themselves as as co-journeyers with their congregations yeah. and a desire that yeah I think there are times in my opinion for preachers lay and ordained to say this is what I believe God is for mm. in times of great peril or times of great stress or times of great you know everything to sort of say I believe this is the word of the Lord 
I think those times are few and far between, in my opinion. And I think more often the work week in, week out for the preacher who wants to be a, a politics and the pulpit preacher is to help himself, herself, themselves with the congregation get on the inside of what that means for their own transformation as individuals, as yeah. church, as as the body, the larger body politics. So I am passionate about it, but maybe in a different way from some yeah. who are passionate about politics in the pulpit. No, absolutely. And so from your particular context, then, um, what would you want us to hear as the key justice issues or political events that kind of affect your work at the moment, affect your context? I'm, I'm always doing the work of um, my own work, and I'm also you know, um, doing that as myself, as both yeah. personal and professional. So I just wanted to name a couple of things about me. Um, I think it's really important for us when we do any kind of work politically or theologically to name our kind of location. So I am a white cisgender male, um, gay married man, middle class. Yeah. So, you know, I just want to say sort of sitting in, in many ways, pretty close to the top of the world in terms of access to power and privilege. I just want to name that. I'm also an American British dual citizen. So like in a posture of deep learning, um, especially of late as we've been in national mourning about what this means for monarchists and Republicans. And so I find myself kind of li listening. And I'm also a person in recovery from alcoholism. Uh, and that's an important lens for me in thinking about what yeah. transformation is. So I just wanted to sort of say all of that in addition to being an evangelist and sort of believing that Jesus is, um, is gift and medicine and salvation and uh, want to sort of speak about him and his way uh, that is healing, I think, for, uh, for, for the world. And just, yeah. so, yeah, so all those things rolled into one. But for me, you know, I think um, issues for me personally and professionally are around um, racism, particularly in the church churches that I've been part of and myself in the church I serve nationally, um, LGBTQ issues, national and ecclesial, uh, creation justice, particularly the treatment of um, non-human animals um, uh, and how that mixes up with um, classism and racism. Those are all for me a, a kind of a piece. Uh, immigration yeah. justice, mental health issues. I mean, all, all, the, all of these things. Um, it's sad that we, you know, there's so, so, so many um, kind of things in the headlines lately. And so, it, you know, it, it's like an overwhelming, to my mind, kind of overwhelming kind of onslaught of, let's just say yeah. some bad news, you know, so how we yeah. pick that week, week in, week out in a way that helps people um, yeah. take a step in is really, really important. No, absolutely. And in fact, I commented on my own Twitter this morning that, it feels like every Monday morning I'm waking up to a completely different world that somehow the world seems to be making huge shifts so, so quickly. Mm -hmm. And thank you so much for being so honest and open about the context in which you preach from, mm -hmm. because I think, you know, we are in a, a world and a place where People don't just work, walk into church. It's not part of people's everyday lives in the way that it once was. And I think so, therefore, how we connect with people has to be, I think, on a really kind of human level. Um, and, and I appreciate everything you said. Um, each week, um, our colleagues at JPIT um, 
give us a little roundup of uh, the news and, and, and what's going on in the world. So this week, some of the issues are, um, again, the ongoing economic uncertainty, especially this week following the Chancellor's mini budget last Friday, uh, what that means uh, for all sectors of people across uh, the country, um, the ongoing war in Ukraine, uh, the protests in Russia following the mobilization order, uh, really frightening. Italy looks like it's about to elect uh, a far-right leader. Uh, we'll expect that kind of news in the next couple of days, but she is looking very much on course to win. Um, and we are, of course, in the season of creation until the 4th of October. Uh, importantly, Black History Month um, starts on the 1st of October. And uh, this year's theme is, um, which I think spills into our readings a little bit, uh, time for change, action, not words. And so I think that ongoing sense of how movements uh, are born and then need the action from all this discussion um, and acknowledging uh, that people have the double burden of both experience. And you might understand this. I certainly, it resonates with me from an LGBTQI perspective of that double burden of both experiencing all the kind of negative things that come in from it, but also having that expectation that you've got to go out there and fix it, that you've got to go the extra mile then um, to kind of help people to understand, to, to work through some issues um, and, and just that how much that takes out of you. Um, so that's the theme this uh this year for Black History Month. It is also uh, Good Money Week uh, next week and also uh, Challenge Poverty Week is in Scotland next week as well. So a load of a load of amazing focuses coming up. Absolutely. So with all of that, um, where should we start with our readings this week? Where should we start thinking about our readings and, and wondering how do we? Uh, maybe as an introduction to that, to the readings, it, we'll, we'll jump into Lamentations and Second Timothy and maybe make our way to the psalm. But I just think a couple of things you said, like that pressure for the preacher to go out there and, and make sense of it and do the extra work. I think there's also, for, for me, a real importance of acknowledging that I'm part in many of these things, that I'm part of the problem, that I'm complicit yeah in, and I don't mean that in a really shaming way and like I'm a horrible person, but like to acknowledge the complexity of these things. So to stand up in the pulpit, to say something, presumably to praise God and to help, uh, to help kind of clarify something so we can move the world towards transformation. I mean, and not to acknowledge that I am complicit in these things, not to acknowledge that the church and the world think very differently across yeah. these things, even within political kind of parties, you know, and so I think it makes preaching, of course, a real challenge. And, and, and it's why I sort of, when we talk about preaching politically, I, I've, I'm very nervous around like broadcast kind of style of preaching. So I think how do we help congregations, bodies of Christians and seekers yeah. dialogue? So I, I mean, who am I? I mean, I, I am called to stand up in the pulpit and say something, right? That's part of my vocation. But I'm also 
that I have the final word. I am not the Lord, you know? No. <laughs> so how do we, how, how does the preaching moment begin and continue and circle back to help the congregation of which we are a part yeah. really engage these issues? I get really tired of hearing politicians and thought leaders bullet points. That's important, but I'd hate for the sermon to become like a, a bullet point exercise. Here are the bullet yeah. points that you need to yeah. accept. So how do we help people really grapple with, with these things? So maybe we can move into lamentations, Yeah, right? yeah. which is um, if you ever have in yourself the sense of like, provide, I am the provider, I am the prophet, I am the victor, I am going to, you know, say, triumphantly lead us into, you know, good news. Let's start with Lamentations. Yeah, yeah. It's basically in our reading, the first chapter, um, basically we have someone talking about, you know, Judah being being exiled, uh, yeah. Jerusalem being destroyed. Uh, lots of the folks uh, of Jerusalem have been uh, taken away. Nebuchadnezzar has won, you know, yeah. People are in a foreign land and Jerusalem is empty. It's desolate. And this verse, uh, I think in verse, and I, I'm, I'm using the common English Bible, but this verse, verse five, certainly the Lord caused her grief because of her many wrong acts. I yeah. mean, my, 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 there's no, in this lection, I struggle to find the good news, struggle yeah. to find the good news that at least in the way we sometimes think about good news, what's the hope? Hmm. It is it is desolation. Yeah. It is a lament. Um, so I just, you know, it's an interesting place to start, um, right? But I, I wonder for preachers how we can help folks, including ourselves, sit in the pain, uh, in, the, um, in the obvious uh, effects of oppression and yeah. conquest and all that stuff comes together. We are not only people who are oppressed. We are not only people who are part of oppressors. We are both, most of us, you know? Yeah. yeah. So we can't take, my opinion, we can't take one role in this story. No. You know? So um, tricky. I don't know yeah. how you how you felt when you read Lamentations. I was like, whoa, we're going there today. It's Jeremiah, <laughs> you know. Oh, very much. <laughs> I think all the readings, you know, uh, the Psalm, especially in this, mm. uh, really send us into that place of um well like you say desolation and mm. I know as I was kind of coming towards this and thinking about it and and actually preaching yesterday it was kind of do I need to weave some hope into this or do I just leave it as it is mm. um because what you have in here is this kind of it, it's about the place, it's about the desolation, it's it's about the grief and the loss, but you've also got the kind of complexity, I think, how um, her young girls grieve in this, mm -hmm. again, shows us the complexity of this kind of oppression. And when, when these things hit, how there is still always a level of people that are hit harder than others. So... Mm -hmm the young girls, they're not going to find husbands in the exile. And, and yet that's what they need to survive. And so yet again, we see these really awful situations, but then begin to understand how, um, how different people are affected differently. And I think 
that for me is something really important to draw out of this as we look at things like um, Black History Month and things like that, to see that, yes, there was this exile and to look at that just as one movement is hard enough, but then to look at how groups of individuals um, are worsened again by this, I think is something really important because I think it's like you say, we're both, we're all kind of that sense of we're both the oppressors and the oppressed. And I think it's really important sometimes to, to own where both of those are in the pulpit um, and, and, and own to the communities that, that we're with, that we also are affected by these things. I'm affected differently than you because I'm a woman. We might understand commonality about what it is to experience things as LGBT people, but it certainly does bring home that sense of how, how badly off sections of people are traditionally made by things like this. Yeah, I mean, you've, oh, wow, it's such a, I'm tracking with you, um, really tracking with you. And thank you for bringing up the complexity of it. I mean, I think, I think part of the complexity of it for me, in addition to the human diversity, is like what that says about um, our own participation in structures that lead to um, uh, desolation. Yeah. And that there, there is, I mean, to use really traditional language, there is justice, there is judgment. And this is this is this something, and, and this is not just like in a human realm, but like there is divine justice and judgment. And, and these are really heavy things to talk about, but I think it's important for us to sort of lean yeah. into a little bit. I think sometimes, especially on the progressive end of the scale, we tend to sort of stay with human action, but not talk about the the deeper divine things. So, so both both things are happening here. Mm. Um, but I was just thinking about what you're saying around the complexity of, you know part of the reason historically uh, traditionally the way we understand the exile is is because of you know uh, babylon's you know imperial might and part yeah. of it is the uh, the lack of faith and the the sin and evil and injustice of of judah right so yeah. these things are all swirling right and so yeah. part of the exile is judah's harms it faults you know like yeah yeah, yeah. So think, that's very much how it's pitched yeah, yeah. it's how it's pitched but you're you're talking about so beautifully around like, you know, obviously those in power make decisions, perhaps, let's think about it that way, that affect everybody who have no decisions, you know. So the yeah. young young girls that you're speaking of, the young women. I was yeah. thinking of a um a book I read when I was a long time ago, um, by um uh, um a, a South Korean theologian called Park is his surname about the difference between sin and Han. Han, H-A-N is a, a, a South a Korean word, which means, um, so sin is like the stuff that, that we do, right? Yeah. And, and, and that brings us pain and, 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 um, and separation. But Han is the effects yeah. of other yeah. folks and systemic sin on those who are not culpable. Yeah. You know, and so I was just thinking, as you were saying that, I was thinking of like, you got this, you have sin, evil, injustice at a structural level, yeah. and then you have the Han of those who are affected, who, 
were, were part of Judah, but didn't take, weren't responsible for Judah yeah. in the way, you know? So yeah, yeah. Going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, I know we've, we kind of might touch on uh, the psalm in a bit, but we've got Psalm, we, psalm 137 as well, mm-hmm. where you can literally almost hear the voices of these people. Why should we sing our happy songs for you? You know, you've done this, yet you, mm. you know, to ease your conscience, you want us to come and sing happy songs. It, it, it is that sense of um, the, the very people for whom are kind of, are so oppressed, like you say, the heart, the people who are deeply affected by the things all around us. And then we still expect more of them. We don't want to hear from them. We don't necessarily want to hear stories. Mm. Um, And I think, again, I I think the church has been quite complicit in that, you know, not facing up to things as quickly as it should have faced up to things Um, and and still is, certainly with um, kind of certain issues around LGBTQI and, again, um, issues around... Uh, racial justice and things like that it, it's yeah. slow turning um and yet we're called because we are the complexities of it as well mm-hmm. I believe you're called I'm called everybody's called in part with these things that make our hearts both grieve but make our hearts also want to fight yeah, I mentioned earlier, I'm part of um, a recovery community, 12-step yeah. recovery community. And this is, a, um, this is a more a personal thing than a structural thing, though AA is about the community. You can only yeah, heal yeah. in community, really. You can't yeah, do it by yourself. And, um, but one of the key parts of the 12 steps is you have to, in order to get well, in order to heal, in order to be, to be transformed, you have to do an inventory of past mess, you know? Okay. You've got to, it's it's fourth and fifth step, which is like, you got to write down everything you've done, you know? And you have to, you have to, have to and you have to tell that to somebody, a trusted person. Okay. And I was just thinking about so much of the witness of, of, of the whole unity of the scriptures in the Old and New Testament, the Hebrew scriptures in the New Testament is, which I love is like, we, we have to name the mess. The scriptures are not sanitized. They don't, they don't take all this stuff out because it's not a good PR campaign. It's there. Yeah. And in order for individually, personally, for the whole creation to, to be, to be living into salvation, we've got to name that stuff. So I, I'd sort of say, I love it. I don't love it, but I'm, I'm so grateful yeah. that the scriptures say like naming the trauma, naming the sin, naming the injustice, naming the harm, is part of the process and if we shy yeah. away from it then we won't be to use traditional like we won't be saved you know we won't be we won't be transformed yeah um, it's so important around issues particularly as white folks around racial justice how have i been part of that problem mm. i have to be able to name that and own that um you know and not just that uh, though we can talk more about that later the other thing i want to say is i, I was, talking about justice i mean that that god will have justice in the in the final days and i don't i don't mean this in a scary kind of way but like the new creation and the new creation that god is bringing 
in the new heavens and the earth, new earth, there will be justice. Yeah. And God, God will bring it in a way, thank God, I trust that's different from the way that I would bring it. Mm. But God will bring it. And yeah. so if we don't, if we, you know, we're called to get it right, but but God will, God will bring justice. And I think if if there is not justice in the divine sense of the realm, the divine sense of the of of thinking of, of, the, of the word you know i think it, it it's it's it makes a mockery of um of uh of being able to say anything about god because if it's just like well in this world some people you know are at the top of the heap and some people aren't it, you know but at the end you know when we all meet our maker you know there's love i believe there's love but i think there's also justice and we will be held just me we will be held accountable as nations as individuals for the stuff that has not gone well and yeah. i think that, that i so i just want to say holding that out there and in, in addition to all the political stuff mm. um that's part of our, our theological work as well the only thing i could find um in this that was good news in this in this lamentations text um was the fact in verse five that the writer still was able to call God Lord. Yeah. I couldn't find any other. In the midst of all that mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, God, you are Lord. And later in Lamentations, you know, we hear we hear some of that good news, new every morning are your mercies, oh God. So eventually it gets there. Yeah. We can't rush past the opening chapter, can we? No, no, very much so. And I think... And I think it is that sense of, you know, how we view the exile now is dramatically different than how the exile was viewed, you know, maybe 50 or 100 years ago. Mm. You know, we now have this kind of words and discussion about just how traumatic it was. Mm. And that only changes when people start to tell the stories, mm. when people start to say actually no there is there's almost that sense of you know with some people that being a Christian means bad stuff doesn't happen to you or anything or there's not suffering or you know if if there is then that is equated to a lack of faith you know I've had uh, and that's really dangerous stuff I think that is brought out of these kind of readings that to just ignore them is to say like suffering doesn't exist and then you 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 double down on this kind of blame culture that somehow if you're suffering that's your fault that's your lack of faith and 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 that's happened you know I'm disabled I've had people pray for my leg and then without me asking without me you know I'll pray and then walk away and they they've kind of gone oh I've done my job now it's your fault you're not healed you know and and it, it is only with our stories and with acknowledging this suffering this mess this desolation that we can actually as preachers as people have an honest relationship with God and with each other um that actually is real that's authentic, that's from our hearts, which sometimes feel ripped open mm. um, and sometimes are so joyful. We're human. And I think it's important to express all of that. And I think um, 
I, I know you wanted to go on to the Timothy reading because mm. I think so much of the other side of this is that acknowledgement of suffering is in Timothy. So, yeah. yeah. Let's, go, let's go there. I mean, we have this yeah. beautiful, it's almost like, a, I mean, it's obviously a letter. It's a letter um, it's sort of praising Timothy's um, gentleness and loveliness and apostleship, um, I, which I love that, and sort of encouraging Timothy to sort of hold fast. It's, it sort of feels like a little bit of an ordination yeah a little bit of a, a blessing a benediction um it's so gentle and then of course moves into paul who talks about his apostleship has meant suffering yeah um, and i just think this is really interesting i was thinking we think about the kind of talk about justice collective collective justice collective injustice and collective suffering and then personal or individual suffering they're very different things and i think we have to be very careful when we, we treat those things in the pulpit or or in yeah. our teaching or our speaking um there, so in this in these texts, we have both those things going on here. Yeah. We also have, as you sort of pointed out, you know, we also have um, the suffering that happens not because of our own choices or lack of yeah. faith, but stuff that just happens um, to us because we're caught up in systems that wound and yeah. harm and and um, destroy uh, life. Right? Are destructive. We have, we have suffering that, you know, let's be, I want to be honest for me, I have suffering that comes from my own bad decisions. And I think we have to name that, like yeah. the suffering that nation states are experienced sometimes have to do with their own decisions. I mean, I just yeah. want to say this as an American, um, very controversial. I, I, I wish that the towers in 9-11 had not been brought down. That was horrible and heart-wrenching. And it, if you see it in a larger, a larger swath of geopolitical mess, I'm not condoning it, but you understand that was a repercussion of a certain way of engaging in, yeah. in Afghanistan. I'm not condoning it, but I'm just saying like oh, no. actions have, national actions have national effects, you know? Yeah. So you have all that, but then you have Paul who is choosing suffering, right? He is offering his life so these are very different things. There's involuntary suffering. Yeah. There's their voluntary willingness to sort of follow something or have a belief set or have a manifesto or to follow Jesus as Lord when you know mm. this is going to mean discomfort, yeah. suffering. And, and for Paul, you know, death, right? Yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, so these are very, very different things. But I think that they might, if I were preaching next week, I'd be thinking about could, can you hold booze together in the, in the course of a sermon? You know, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm not actually preaching this Sunday, so I don't have to do it. No, no, me. But, you know, this sense of um, Paul is is talking about his own suffering. And I was just thinking in the terms of Black History Month. Yeah. How we tend to, when we talk a lot about liberation and justice, unfortunately, and this is a very white, kind of capital white, kind of oppressive thing to do, apply one model to transformation. Yeah, and so the the wonderful work of Eric Law, who's an Episcopal priest in the states, who really talks about the the the, the transformation, uh, the healing, the salvation that's offered to, to different people and people groups will look different within the same Christian ontology, within the same Christian world. So they're going to look different. So yeah. for those like Paul, who has been top of the top of the world, right? Yeah. Powerful, you know, by uh, dual citizenship right? Uh, and it's 
oppressor, you know, you know, part of a part of a system of deep certainty, who then goes undergoes this radical shift, right? His salvation is in being stripped, is in being um, having things taken away from him, and he testifies to this, right? So, yeah. sort of letting the wounds of Christ be in him, right? Mm. Is that the same law, Eric Law asks, is it the same transformation being offered those who are oppressed? Is it, is it right to preach for those who have been oppressed to say, well, you just need to suffer more? Yeah, Eric yeah. Law says, actually, no, what the, what, the, um, what the healing is for folks who've been oppressed is resurrection, taking mm-hmm. up your mat and walking. Um, you know, that's an ableist, an ab- it can be used in an ableist way, but sort of taking your, the power from God and, 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 and rising up. And yeah. if you've been in the valley, let's lift that valley up, you know? Mm. And so I just think it's really important to my mind, as you can see, I'm sort of passionate about it, not to sort of take Paul's experience and put that onto everyone. No. But I think faithful preaching says, okay, where, where are we called to suffer? If we've experienced suffering, are we called to keep suffering? You know, um, yeah. how does my own privilege prescribe a certain way of salvation for me? How does my own experience of oppression prescribe a certain thing? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it, it does very much. Um, I think there is a kind of, uh, I certainly know from, I guess, understanding and, and being oppressed a lot kind of in my life that, having those kind of thought patterns about where you sit with it and those kind of big sky you know strategic kind of <laughs> this is this system and I'm I'm I also think that when you're suffering you can't hear that mm-hmm. that uh, I think when you're suffering there is this level like you say that just has to lean on God mm. that just has to say um I, you know, I, I'm in this. Um, how am I affected? Can I climb out of this? Mm-hmm. And I absolutely adored what you said about it taking a community to heal someone. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that with everything because um, without love and acceptance of our fellow people around us, um, how do we how do we move on? How do we transform? Uh, how do we lift? How are we lifted out of this? Um, and yeah, I think we, I think you're absolutely right in the sense of how do we speak about this that, you know, Paul's sense of I'm doing this and that's okay. And, and you know, it's, it's all right. I'm going to kind of die for this and, and all of that. But that's Paul's experience. That's not our experience. Suffering, depending on where you are, is is dramatically different. That's what makes um, it so tricky as a preacher, because it's like yeah, so tricky. I mean, I think for a lot of folks, Paul's experience for for a lot of folks, Paul's experience could be seen as a primary model for lots yeah. of folks who've been in power. You know, that's yeah. a, that's a really good model for transformation. Yeah, but um, as you say. If, if your experience has largely been one of being oppressed or marginalized, you know, and, and we all have stories of both and probably in our, in our, in our lives, but yes. those yeah, whose yeah. Pri- primary experiences is, is oppression and marginalization. 
you're totally right. You know, and this is what Eric Law is saying. It's like, you need to cling to that, that last verse in, in the reading from Second Timothy. Protect this good thing that has been placed in your trust, who is the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know, the sense of like, you are God's beloved. The Holy Spirit is in you and in us. And, you know, therefore, rise up, you know. That's yeah, a yeah. very different salvation from you need to go into, you know, you need to go into it to have that ego stuff stripped away, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They're both well, true. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very much so. And I think just to dip into Luke kind of, to finish that sense of uh, the disciples going, give us more faith. You know, we need more of this. And Jesus going, no, actually, a mustard seed will do. You are a tiny little thing. Yeah, what you are is enough. Mm. You know, and, and just that sense of we have faith enough mm. for this. Uh, it might just be that we need to dig down into that faith a bit more, but there is faith enough in all of us. So thank you so much, Trey, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear you share your wisdom. Um, and thank you to everybody else for joining us uh, this week to ask whether and how politics should be in our preaching this week. If you have enjoyed this episode of Politics in the Pulpit, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. We do really like to have an ongoing conversation with our listeners about faith and politics. So do join us on Twitter at pulpit underscore politics or using the hashtag politics in the pulpit. Or you can join us on our Facebook community, which you can access through the Joint Public Issues Facebook uh, page or on their website, jointpublicissues.org.uk. And so a question that we leave you, uh, that we leave from this week's discussion. How do we approach suffering in our pulpits? How do we speak? about the harm, about the results of what is going on on certain people. How do we acknowledge that? Um, so again, please let us know if you've got any thoughts on this on Twitter or on Facebook. And so let's go with both into our politics and into our pulpits with a blessing. May you be anointed with God's spirit as you bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, help people to see the world truthfully and let the oppressed go free. Amen. Amen.